I'm E.J. Ionelli, and this is From the Studio. And this morning, we're in the KPBX studio with members of Liberty Lake's Theater Arts Center, or Tack at the Lake. They have a new production of It's a Wonderful Life, a radio play, opening this weekend. And they are here to tell us about the the best Christmas story on the best broadcast medium. But I might be showing my bias there. So joining us today are Kyle Smock. Hello. Hi, Kyle. And Kyle is the director of this production, as well as the president of the board of directors for TAC. And then we have Paige Jackson. Hello. Good morning, Paige. And Paige is the stage manager for this production, as well as their resident theater intern. And we also have Patrick Manfred. Hello. Hi, Patrick. And Patrick is playing George Bailey in this production. And we have Kayla Hoke. Hello. Hi, Kayla. And Kayla is playing Mary in this production. And the last time uh, I spoke with representatives from Tack at the Lake, we were talking about Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief musical, and I think that was back in October. And since then, you've had Play in a Day. And I, I before we get into It's a Wonderful Life, I would really like to talk about Play in a Day. And Paige, I understand you have some involvement with that. Yes. Um, a Play in a Day is a fundraiser that we do. Um, every once in a while. We try to do one before each show. It's run by our teen board. Our teen board started about 10 years ago. Um, The theater actually was about to go under, and they would not let that happen. It was a group of teens who just kept showing up and kept showing up, and they wouldn't let the theater um, just die like that. So they created a teen board to have fundraisers to keep the theater alive and well, and we've just kept that tradition for the past 10 years, and I now run that so uh, play in a day is exactly what it sounds like. It's a play in one day. Uh, we build sets, we do costumes, they're doing a reader's theater and they perform it all at the end of the day for their parents. And we have uh, like 20 kids come each time and they're usually the kids who have never been on stage or just haven't gotten the opportunity or trying to see if they like it and deciding if they wanna continue. And what was the play in a day for this past November? Uh, It was a story about eating more vegetables and not eating turkey on Thanksgiving. So a turkey was complaining that he didn't want to be eaten. And so it was just a cute Thanksgiving story. And so is it a premise that you walk into the room knowing or is everything generated there on the spot? So everything from play to execution? Um, We prepare in advance what play they're doing. And that's it. They come in. They get cast when they're there. They have no idea what they are doing. And then they make their costumes. They go up to the costume room and make everything. They decide how to paint the sets. They decide everything once they're there. They have the most involvement. And so is the teen board at TAC, does it continue to be a real driver of activities and just the mission of TAC? I would say so, yeah. Um, We did Puffs a little while ago, and there was a lot of teens in that show. And most of them are now on our teen board, and I think that just really shows that we have a big community at our theater. A lot of those kids have never been on stage, and they did puffs and fell in love with it. have just continued, and so then they have a lot of involvement in the theater even when they're not doing shows. That's really cool. And so do you work um, almost in equal partnership with the, with the actual board of directors? Yes, I'm on the board and running the teen board. Oh, that's great. And yeah. and TAC, is it primarily a teen organization, even though it has this big teen component? Or um, it because my experience with TAC is that it really spans all ages. Yeah, it is definitely all ages. The teens um, are not most of our thing. We have many ages. Uh, the teens are just the ones who can run the fundraisers and stuff and be there the most. So we like to involve them, too. 
Excellent. And so turning to It's a Wonderful Life. Now, Kyle, as director, this is a production that I think has been staged um, with increasing frequency because it's so popular. It's um, it's a, a story that I think is very familiar at Christmas time, but it's presented in this unusual way. So talk to us about It's a Wonderful Life, a radio play, and um, yeah, how this brings the movie to the stage in radio format. <laughs> yeah, it is a unique telling of the story. We have done the uh, regular performance of It's a Wonderful Life at TAC in the past. I Actually, that was one of the first shows that I directed uh, about 11 years ago. And this is a different version of the show staged in a 1947 radio station uh, with a live audience on Christmas Eve. And the thing that attracted it, me most to this particular story was just the unique telling uh, through a radio audience, um, an art form that unfortunately not many people are aware of anymore with all of the sound effects made live on stage by Foley artists. And uh, the, this particular group is 15 cast members doing 40 different characters. So using different voices and um, different ways to present their character. It was just a unique way to tell this story. Uh, with that same great message that It's a Wonderful Life provides. And a little bit later, I'd like to talk about some of those sound effects that are going to be created live. But I want to get back to the characters. Now, we have the core story of George Bailey and Mary, and then Clarence factors into that as well. But with these other characters, are the same characters from the It's a Wonderful Life film, are they all brought into this production as well? They are. It's a it's a very true telling to the film um, from the beginning to the end and very similar to the stage production as well. So you have all your, your Bert and Ernie, the cab driver and the bartender Nick and uh, Mr. Potter and uh, the townspeople are all there. Harry, the brother, the uh, young Harry and young Mary and Mr. Gower, the pharmacist. It's all there, uh, almost to the point where the the backing track that we're using for the transitions in between the scenes are actually, it's actually the soundtrack from the movie. It fits so well to the particular scenes um, that it, it really is a true recreation of the movie. Yeah, I know that the playwright Joe Landry has mm -hmm. done several of these stage slash radio adaptations, and that yeah. seems to be his forte. Yeah. But turning to our George and our Mary, and I'll actually start with our Mary. So Kayla, um, if you could talk about your Mary, your characterization of Mary in this production. Yeah, I definitely, when I got this character, I was very happy to be playing Mary. And it's interesting also because we're not actually playing the characters that we're reading on stage. We're playing the actors that are playing the characters on the stage. So I really had to get into the character of the actor that's playing Mary. So like when we're sitting on the stage, we have to think about like what would the actor be doing? And I definitely think that's made it very interesting to learn how to play her. I, I'm really interested in this disparity between the two. So your stage actor playing Mary what is she like? I think she definitely finds the show. She sees the irony in the show a little bit about Mary and how, like, I think she's definitely, she definitely thinks that Mary is a little bit too nice sometimes <laughs> when it comes to George. And she definitely sees how George isn't perfect. And she, but she also likes playing the character. She likes acting. 
And so is this characterization written into Joe Landry's script, or is it something that you've kind of extrapolated from that and that you're bringing to this? It definitely wasn't written in the script. I I came up with this for the character. We had to do a character kind of project for the show, and that's what I decided the character would be like when we did that. And so you're creating a little bit of distance between your your actor who's performing Mary and the character of Mary that she's playing. Definitely, yes. And um, Patrick, you're George Bailey. Are you trying to establish that same delineation that Kayla is trying to establish? Or are your George Bailey and the actor playing George Bailey kind of one and the same? I'm definitely doing a little bit of the actor on stage. Like, when I'm waiting for my next role, like, uh, just going back up to the mic, I'm trying to, uh, like, figure out what to do backstage in the background of the radio station. Well, you've got a reading for us, and this is George, the scene with George and Mary at Mary's house. Can you give some a little setup for this scene, just to remind listeners where we're at? It is when I, George Bailey, am coming to uh, Mary's house, and I don't really want to be there, and my mother is making me go. Well, you, you do and you don't. You do kind of want to be there because you're kind of sweet on Mary, but you also don't want to show that, do you? Yeah. Okay, so let's uh, let's hear this scene. And this this is you as actors performing the scene between George and, uh, George and Mary. Hello, George. Hello, Mary. I just happened to be passing by. Your mother just phoned and said you were on your way over to pay me a visit. My mother just called you? Well, how did she know? Well... I didn't tell anybody. I just went for a walk and happened to be passing by. Went for a walk, that's all. When did you get back? Tuesday. Would you like to come in? Well, I guess since I'm here. Say, where did you get that dress? Do you like it? It's all right. I thought you'd go back to New York with Sam and Francie and the rest of them. Oh, well, I worked there a couple of vacations, but I don't know. I guess I was homesick. Homesick for Bedford Falls? Yes, and my family and... Everything. Would you like to sit down? All right. For a minute. I still can't understand it, though. You know I didn't tell anybody I was coming. Would you rather leave? No, I don't want to be rude. It was nice about Harry and Ruth, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, that's all right. Don't you like her? Well, of course I like her. She's a peach. Oh, it's just marriage in general you're not enthusiastic about, huh? No, marriage is okay for Harry, Sam Wainwright, and you. Mary, Mary, who's out there with you? It's George Bailey, Mother. George Bailey? What does he want? I don't know. Uh, what do you want, George? Me, not a thing. I just came to get warm. He's making violent love to me, Mother. You tell him to go right back home and don't leave the house. Sam Wainwright promised to call from New York, didn't he? Your mother needn't... You know I didn't come here for... to... to... What did you come here for? I don't know. You tell me. You're supposed to be the one with all the answers. You tell me. Oh, why don't you go home? That's where I'm going. I'm going there right now. I don't know why I came here in the first place. And scene. And at the the very, very end of this scene, after the Sam Wainwright phone call, um, Mary smashes a record. 
and that kind of segs us to the sound effects. Now, how are they actually smashing records on stage, these two Foley artists that you have? So that part is not in the radio play, oh. the, the smashing of the records. Uh, but right up to the end of that scene, there would be a Foley uh, sound effect of the telephone ringing. So absolutely every sound in the show is done live on stage. We have two Foley artists uh, that are working full time. Uh, right on stage producing all of the sounds from crickets to telephones to crashing trash cans uh, to windstorms. It's all being done to walking in the snow to running away, uh, slamming doors, uh, all of that. And part of the charm of this is that it is a play within a play, but that also creates a challenge for you as director because you're essentially directing two plays. You're directing the It's a Wonderful Life that's being performed as well as the, the larger story around that. Um, what approach are you taking as a director to kind of maybe, like Kayla talked about, delineate the two and maybe have a, a contrast between them? Yeah. Very early on in the process, as Kayla had mentioned, we did uh, we assigned character development assignments. So every Every single cast member needed to go and develop their character. And again, not the character that they're playing in It's a Wonderful Life that particular night on, on stage in the radio station, but who they are, who they are as actors in the 1940s in New York City. And so starting from that point, we kind of built the foundation of this is who you are and this is a job that you're doing. And you're coming in at the beginning of the show as they're coming onto stage and filtering in before the show's actually started. They're interacting with each other as if they are actors working in New York City on uh, at the radio station. And so there really is two different things going on. Uh, as the as they prepare to the for the radio show to go live and the countdown begins and the music starts and then they become those characters. And as Patrick had mentioned, when they're not in front of the mic and they're in the back of the room, they are not George or Mary. They are are, you know, Jake Lorenz or uh, Jasbo. Uh, so they, we've really kind of stressed that and, and built it into really two different environments, a show within a show, as you said. And uh, Paige, that show within a show also poses some interesting uh, challenges for you because you've got to manage not just the sound design, but also the onstage sound design, which is, you know, has a performative element. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, how are you kind of uh, taking care of this very, very intricate stage management that's associated with this play? Well, um, each night we have to make sure that all of their props are exactly reset because they're... The only props essentially that they have are Foley artists. Typically my job has been managing all of the actors' props and making sure they all have a place. But instead this time they are all on stage the whole time and they are sound effects that need to be recreated each night. So we have to check and make sure each thing is correct. We have to make sure we have enough cornflakes for the snow sounds <laughs> and uh, make sure all of our mics are turned off so that they don't die. We have um, mics for our Foley artists so that they're a little bit louder. And just like all of those things have to be reset exactly how they started. And that's been actually pretty challenging because they have to be exactly the same every single time. Yeah, there's a real choreography to yeah. all of this. Um, and then... With the set design, I'm hoping you can speak to that as well, because we are trying to evoke the town of Bedford Falls, which is going to be done through the performance, but we're also trying to evoke the atmosphere of this radio station. So uh, I, I see you getting a little excited about the set design for the radio station. What have you got in store? 
Um, actually, Kyle and I have done it together because he's the builder of us two. But um, we've been working together a lot to create mostly the radio station that's preparing for Christmas. We have a sign out in the front of the theater that says, Welcome to Bedford Falls, from the production that we did 11 years ago. But other than that, we aren't really having anything to It's a Wonderful Lifey. It's more that we are a radio station. We put up, kind of haphazardly put up Christmas lights to make it seem like that's what the radio station is doing, exactly. And then um, we have things like poinsettias in places and wreaths, just things that like a office would have. And we tried to go very 1940s and not modern and minimalistic. You know, it looks, we tried to make all of our colors make sense for the 1940s, things like that. And do you have an on-air light? As we well? do. Yes, oh, we fantastic. do. Yep. And are there points in the play that are not on air or is the play always on air? And then there are just things that are happening um, in a kind of a meta fashion mm -hmm. behind the actual radio action. Well, in this show, I have lines as my stage manager role. And so I get a mic, too. And when I'm speaking, I'm saying things like 15 minutes to air and stuff like that. And that's when the cast will actually start to filter on stage like they're doing a radio show. And that's when they're not on air. And then obviously during intermission, they're off air. And um, once my line comes in of we are live in 54321, then that light turns on. And Patrick and Kayla, I'm curious because, uh, Patrick, you mentioned that you're attending St. Aloysius now. Kayla, you're at Gonzaga Prep. So you are of a generation where that is several generations removed from when live radio entertainment was a thing. Is this world kind of alien to you, this idea of actually staging this performance live on the radio or, you know, in something that you encountered with this production? Or was it something that you were also aware of beforehand? Yeah, it was definitely interesting to hear. I had never heard of like radio shows before. It makes sense, but it's definitely cool to learn about it and be a part of it. Yeah, like uh, I've like never heard of uh, a radio play, but like radio like shows and like uh, other like stations and such I've heard of, but never a play done on the radio because there's no visual. Yeah, uh, you should tune into our radio play collab, and then uh, you'd, uh, you'd you'd have your your world opened. Um, but with this play, you know, it's based on a movie that is very very famous, and that's the case with a lot of these uh, these holiday productions. Is that there is this long long legacy? So, did you have some familiarity with the film It's a Wonderful Life before you went into this? I've actually never seen the show, and uh, my grandma watched it with me a couple weeks ago, so. Oh, fantastic. So it was a, a bonding experience. Yeah. And Kayla, what about you? I had also never seen It's a Wonderful Life before. Um, I, I also watched it a few weeks into the show, and it was it was really interesting to, like, read it from the script <clears throat> and act it out and then watch the movie to see how they did it. And did your characters, did your George and Mary in this change at all based on that viewing? Or were you, did you say, you know, I'm happy with where my George and Mary are at now. I don't need to be informed by the film. It did give a little bit of a visual because we're not, there's not a ton of blocking in this show. So watching the movie, the movie gave me a visual in my head on what's going on. I see, I see. Well, you have another scene, and this is uh, the George Lasso's stork. And did you want to give us a little bit of description about what's going on in this scene? 
so I've just come home from talking to Potter about uh, getting a new job, and I did not accept the new job, and Mary is asking what happened. What did Mr. Potter want, George? Nothing, nothing. Just talk, talk, nothing. Oh, Mary, why in the world would you marry a guy like me? To keep from being an old maid. I was going to see the world. I was going to build things. I was going to give you the moon. What have I given you? What have I given you? Not even a new dress. Not for months. You could have married Sam Wainwright. Anybody else in town. I didn't want to marry anybody else in town. I want my baby to look like you. You didn't even get a honeymoon. You... You're what? My baby. You mean you're on the nest? George Bailey, Lasso Stork. Great. Thank you for that. And then, Kyle, you know, just looking ahead, um, coming into into very early January, you've got auditions for The Mousetrap. So as soon as this holiday production is over, we're already looking at the, the next one, and that's directed by Jamie Shario. Yeah, exactly. Jamie Shario's directing the next show, and I believe auditions are 2nd and 3rd of January. Uh, Christmas time is really the only time we don't overlap a show at Tack at the Lake. Uh, typically, we're auditioning at the first weekend of the show that's opening, and so we overlap by a week or so for every show. Christmas is the only time we have a couple of weeks dark in the theater where there's nothing going on. So we we pick right back up with Mousetrap, and then after Mousetrap, we're doing what we call a box show, which is specifically designed for ages 12 to 18. It's a little bit more of a workshop-style show. And uh, that one is going to be almost main this year. Originally, we were going to do Can't Take It With You, but we've recently just switched due to some licensing issues. We're going to do almost main. And then we finish our season with a huge musical, Matilda, uh, which we've done. Uh, we recently were doing only one musical a year. We're now doing two musicals a year uh, at the beginning and at the end of the season, which are always really big undertakings for us at a small community theater. But we're looking forward to that one as well. Yeah, small community theater, but as It's a Wonderful Life, a radio play kind of illustrates, it's a, it's a place for Liberty Lake to get together and commune at the, at the holidays, and also a little bit further afield as well, no? Absolutely. Originally, we were located in Spokane Valley near Pines and the freeway, and moving out to Liberty Lake certainly opened us up more to the, the northern Idaho audience, and Liberty Lake has been a, just a tremendously supportive community, and we do feel like we're very centrally located and kind of in a little bit of a theater desert out there. There's not a lot going on for this type of theater. Specifically, we're, our mission is 30% of every cast is new to theater. And that generally means new to any stage whatsoever. And we're really proud of what we can produce with uh, adults and kids that have never been on stage before. By the time the lights come on and the audience is in the seats, we're really proud of the productions we put on. Well, I want to thank all four of you for coming in today and talking about It's a Wonderful Life, a radio play, as well as the characters and then doing the scenes as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. I've been speaking this morning with Kyle Smock, Patrick Manfred, Kayla Hoke, and Paige Jackson about Tack at the Lake's new production of It's a Wonderful Life, a radio play. It's a Wonderful Life opens at Tax Theater, and that's located at 22910 East Appleway Avenue in Liberty Lake. And that opens this Friday, December 8th, and it runs there until December 17th. You can get tickets and more information at tackatthelake.com.